All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Difficult Conversations. I'm Dean Jenkins, and tonight we have an exceptional show planned for everybody out there. So when this all began, well, prior to this all beginning with Difficult Conversations and Supply the Why, I was trying to figure out how to have a difficult conversation with some of our local um, young adults in my town that were of the Black Lives Matter ideology. And I couldn't quite figure out the best way to go about having this conversation in light of everything that was going on. So I decided to reach out to the person that I would think has the most difficult conversations, maybe even in the country, the chief of Ferguson PD. So for those of you that don't remember, Ferguson PD, you know, for the city of Ferguson, Missouri, is where the Michael Brown, Officer Darren Wilson incident took place, the infamous hands up, don't shoot uh, case. So the chief of that department, Chief Jason Armstrong, I reached out to him on LinkedIn, and he was awesome. He decided, he said, hey, listen, well, why don't we get together, have a video conference call. Two hours plus later, we had a couple aha moments. We had a lot of great, a lot of great topics. And now it's time, we've come 180, and now it's time for me to bring him on and for him to shed some of his wisdom for all of you. So... Without further ado, folks, let me introduce Chief Jason Armstrong of Ferguson PD. Chief, how you doing? I'm doing good, Dean, man. appreciate you having me on. It's, it's my pleasure. I, I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you on. Again, you, you, you kind of gave me a nice the shot in the arm I needed in my career to kind of help me refocus and get back on track. And um, it meant a lot to me. Hey, that's, that's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about, man. Reaching back to help to help the next ones come up. Awesome! It's it's amazing that you were able to take time away from your family to uh to be with to be with me tonight. So, we got a good one today. We're going to talk about the crisis of leadership, and some of the okay. many different forms that it manifests itself in. So, Ferguson, let's let's get the elephant out of the room right now. I'm sure, especially like you've been there. What about 14 months now? You've been the chief uh a little bit more than that man i'm up about 15 16 months now 15 16 months i, I know when you're in a job where you're 24 7 every second counts yes so how are you handling that how what are you doing to help build trust in the community the the number one thing uh that it all comes back to is just communication um and you know the community up here uh just wants to be informed um, they want to be informed and and they they want to have, you know, open open forms of communication, open dialogue, you know, with law enforcement up here just so they can have a better understanding of, of what's going on and the changes that we're making and the things that we're trying to put in play here. Um, and, and just, you know, what steps we're taking to, uh, to see, you know, to see real change. And, and when I talk about it, you know with the, the vision of what we're trying to create here is to build lasting change. You know, there is no overnight fix, you know, to the problems in this country. Sure. Um, and, and the problems here in Ferguson are no different than the problems in any other community around the country. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's communicating, you know, with, with our citizens, our residents here uh, and getting their in, input so they can be a part of the process. And that's largely, you know, what the change has been here is is you know we have community input built into just about you know everything that we have going on here at the police department you know no officer is hired 
to work in this department without going in front of a 100% citizen panel, uh, interview panel. Uh, no officer is promoted here now without going in front of a citizens panel. And so, you know, all of our policies, you know, that stem from the consent decree that we're under, they're posted online for public input um, before we finalize them. And so, you know, the community is a big part of, of, of what we have going on here. And so that that's one of the ways that, you know, it, it helps us in, in the work that we're doing here and trying to, to build up those relationships in those partnerships in the community, because they, they have to be a part of, of what we're doing. It all sounds good, but I got to ask you, Chief, is there an education process? Like, how are you, because at some point, if people are going to be part of a decision-making process, they kind of have to be educated on what exactly it is they're making a decision on. So what are you doing to educate these uh, these boards and, and that you have as part of your decision-making process? So so there, there are a couple of different entities that are in play here. You know, we have, you know, we have some boards that are mandated um, through our consent decree that, you know, had to be created and that, you know, we had to, to partner with. Um, and so, you know, they have some different trainings and things that they may go through sp specific to the board that they're that they're on. And then when we have community members, so that's where the communication piece comes in. Now, one of the things that, you know, we're going to create here, uh, we haven't had a chance to, to finalize it yet is a citizens police academy that we were going to put on and that is going to be you know the backbone of the education piece of what you know what we're providing to to the citizens but you know without having that in place one of the ways you know that we do that is just through some of the just some of the regular things that we have in place right now of how we interact with our community so you know our our city is broken up into um a lot of different neighborhood associations um, now, of course, with COVID, you know, COVID has thrown a, a big wrench into a lot of things. But, you know, before COVID started shutting things down, you know, we regularly went to these neighborhood association meetings. You know, officers would go to them. Sometimes I would attend them. Um, and that's where we could really have, you know, just a, um, a kind of intentional conversation, you know, with some of our, our community members. Um, in that space, um, just talking about what we had going on and some of the challenges that, that they were facing out in the community. And so when we bring them in to be a part of some of our processes, you know, that dialogue doesn't stop. Um, and so we're talking about the interview process. You know, we, we provide them, you know, with documentation because it's no different than, you know, if it was my staff doing the interview. You know, there are laws that govern, you know, questions that you can ask and that you can't ask and all of that stuff. And so we provide them with all of that guidance up front. Um, before the interview process to make sure that everybody understands, you know, what's required of them. But the the input, the feedback that they're giving us is is the critical part for how these these candidates answer these questions. Okay, you know, from a community perspective, you know, how do they view, you know, the the answers that are given and how they match up to from what they want to see from an officer that's that's patrolling their neighborhood. So, um, like I said, it, it's a continual uh, work in progress. Um, but you know, since I've been here, it seems to be be working pretty good. Oh, I, I definitely like the, uh, you know, the the way you're thinking outside the box, because there's no blueprint for what's going on right now. So you you got it. You got to think outside the box and you got you got to be creative. And I'll, I'll never fault anybody for trying new things and, and and, you know, just trying to change the paradigm. Go ahead. And, Chief, and, I know you and, get in. and that that's one of the things that we we really have to start looking at in law enforcement as a whole is you know man what can we what can we try differently um because all right man as we see man what we're doing right now is not working for everybody 
It may be working for some people, but it's not working for everybody. Is and it possible it, to have a system that works for everybody? I think it is. And if it's not, there definitely is. It is possible to have your intentions try to meet that. We may never get there, but we can work toward it every day. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's the mindset that you have to have. And and so one of the things that that it's going to take is it's not just law enforcement getting in the room with community members to try to come up, you know, with, with ways to resolve some of the issues. But community members have to come into the room with other community members that have different needs and different desires from law enforcement and from their community as a whole. And they have to have discussions and conversations to see how they can get on the same page because everybody doesn't want the same thing from us. And so that's true. You have different parts of the community that want different things from law enforcement, and and it's fine for them to to have that. But we we all need to have a seat at the table to discuss. Okay, well, what does that look like on the grand scale? And and you know, one of the benefits to some of the stuff that we're doing here in Ferguson, uh, I think it was last month or, or a couple months ago, uh, we had a community dialogue session. Um, where we had just different members of the community uh, in this meeting. Uh, I was in the meeting. Some other officers were, were in the meeting. And so we just got the, and, and it was uh, facilitated by a mediation uh, service. And so we had neutral facilitators, you know, facilitating this conversation. And, and it was refreshing for me because some of the dialogue in it is it was it, they were speaking my reality, but I didn't have to speak up on it myself. You know, I had I had community members that were from different parts of the community. And so they had different takeaways and they had different issues. And and so, you know, one community member brought up, you know, one issue. I think the question that was on the table was what keeps you up at night? And so, you know, so one community member gave their answer about what kept them up at night. And then another community member jumped in and was like, all right, it's interesting that you say that because I don't have that concern. I don't have that problem. You know, these are the things that keep me up at night. And so, you know, everybody has something a little bit different, you know, that that interests them. And so, you know, we, we need to have all of those individuals in the room, you know, talking about those things so we could really try to see, like you said, how can we think outside the box so so we can provide a, a service that that everybody is is able to benefit from and, and everybody sees some value in the service that we're providing. I like it. It's, I mean, it certainly sounds good. Um, probably like most veteran police officers, I'm probably a little skeptical because, I mean, the reality is, you know, we're out there and uh, and a lot of us that with boots on the ground, we see, we see it where it just, it, you know, this job is very much turned into a, a little bit of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like you're helping one person, your heart's in it, you're doing the right thing. But then there's somebody on the other side that feels like they're neglected or they're being left out. And so, man, and that's where just being open and, and honest about things, you know, come from. Um, and and one of the things that I, I talk about in, in any group that I'm in front of is, all right, man, I, I'm not here to say what you want to hear. That's not what my job entails. I'm going to be honest with you about what's going on and 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 how things are going. And and whatever the situation at hand is, all right, I'm just going to tell you, you know, the, the truth about it or give you my point of view or my perspective on it. And, you know, some people may like it. Some people, you know, may not. Now, if somebody has a problem with it, I'm always open to have additional conversation and a different uh, additional communication about it to see if there's something that I'm missing or, or something that I can better address. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, like every situation stands on its own. 
And so when I'm speaking about something, I'm only speaking to that one individual situation because the next situation, how it may be very similar, you know, it, it, it may have just, you know, a, a small difference that changes, you know, the outlook on what our response would be or how we would handle it. But but one of the things that, that we have to do a better job of in law enforcement is just being honest about, you know, you know, about about whatever it is. And so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we had an incident here in Ferguson uh, and, and the community, you know, a large part of the community was very upset about it. And, and so, you know, people are calling my office about it. And when I when I got it and, and looked into it, I meant we didn't handle this the way that I wanted us to handle it. And all right, I came out and I and I put out a, a release uh, that that day, the next day and explaining what happened. Like, all right, guys, we made a mistake. We Chief, made. Can mistake. you expound upon that a little bit for those of us that aren't familiar with the incident? Are you are you at liberty to or is it? Well, still yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a call for service and it had to deal with um, uh, a business owner, you know, was assaulted. Um, and, and what happened was, you know, one one officer uh, had more of the information than the supervisor did and so the the supervisor showed up you know after the fact and so when the supervisor got there the supervisor only heard part of the the information of, of what all had happened and so the supervisor made a decision uh of what was going to happen with this individual without having all of the information uh available to the supervisor and and so so it was an individual and it was an individual that we were familiar with um and so they made a decision not to arrest this individual um, and and to to let them you know go home and try to get them with the family members to to get them some help, um, but once it came to to the light of what the entire story was and and all of the information of what happened, clearly we should have arrested this individual on on the spot, um, and and so you know it was it was one of those things where all right, yeah we 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 made a mistake it's a learning lesson for us and and here's you know here's what happened here's what we can do move you know moving forward. Um, and these are the actions that we're going to take. You know, it's not like, you know, we know who the individual is. We have all the information. So there is a process for us to follow up um, and to to make sure that, you know, this issue is addressed appropriately. Um, but at the same time, man, the community was very upset with how we handled it uh, on the front end. And, you know, hey, I, I get it 100 um, percent. But it, it's things like that where. All right, man, there's no need for me to to hold on to that and for it to take four or five days for me to come out and say something about that or address that is all right, yeah. We 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 didn't handle this how how we should have. So Chief, um, I, oh, can I just jump in? I gotta jump in yeah. on this. So I find it very interesting that the the angst that was caused in the community was for the police not taking action on somebody. When you think about what's going on across the country. People complaining that we take too much action against people, use too much force. So here's the time where, where, where I just I just want to round the, the corner on this. There's a time where officers use their discretion and they err on the side of, for whatever reason, maybe I, you said get this person the help they need. So I'm assuming that there's some sort of mental health and or substance abuse abuse issue in there. Yes. Yes. So here's a time where we where we do that and we realize and somebody makes a decision that maybe a jail cell might not be the best place for this person, right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And the community's up in arms about that. So that just brings me back to my point where sometimes it's, it's you're seeing more and more where no matter what you do, someone's gonna um have a serious issue with it. 
Correct. And, 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 and so that speaks to, you know, what I was saying earlier about, you know, man, sometimes, you know, you have, you know, community members that want different things and, and that's completely fine. And so, like I said, you know, our charge is, is whatever, whatever, you know, incident or issue we go into is to make sure that we handle it professionally, that we follow our rules and our, our policies and our guidelines uh, and and that we're we're checking our rules and our policy and our guidelines on a continual basis to make sure that they still apply, that they're still relevant to what we have going on. And if we do all of those things and 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 we're you know, we're going by and we're doing things that we set out that we explain and, and set out what the expectation is for how we're going to do things. All right, whether people like it or whether people don't like it, you know, man, we can we can speak to that and and we can we can address it, and and that that's one of the things that I would say I've I've learned the most uh, since I've been up here and and being in this position is yeah, it doesn't matter what you do, man. Some people are going to like it, some people are not going to like it, and and all right, it's my job is I have to respect both of their outlooks and their perspectives on it. Because I, I can't dismiss any of them because they they all bring value to the table. They all bring value into what we're trying to do. And so for, for those who, who don't like, you know, some of the decisions or some of the things, you know, I can only hope that we create an environment that is is welcoming enough that, you know, they would be open to, to having a conversation or, or coming in to, to discuss it, you know, with an open mind to see, you know, all right, if, if we could find some commonality or some common ground and, and what our, our differences may be. But, you know, some of it, you know, some some things, man, we don't have a lot of time to to make a decision on. Sure. We, we just we, we have to make a decision <laughs> and, and split we second. Exactly. Split second. And, and we and we have to live with those with those decisions. And and one thing that I can rest on is, man, I, I pride myself on having a good heart, man. I, I pride myself on having a good heart. And so, man, I'm 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 rooted in knowing that my decisions come from a good place like there. You know, I don't have any malice in my heart when it comes to doing this job. And so, you know, that's not saying that I'm not going to make mistakes and make some bad decisions sometimes. But even when I make, you know, bad decisions, you know, I, I truly genuinely feel as though, man, that decision came from a good place. And just, you know, what I was faced with at the time is what led me to make the decision that I had to make. And and if we can get, you know, more law enforcement on on that page. Um, you know, I think we'll see progress, man. And I think we'll see some positive change in our, our communities. All right. I mean, that's fair enough. I, I mean, as you know, I work in the Northeast. I've worked in two states. I've worked in New Hampshire and I've worked in Massachusetts. And I can tell you that that mistake of the heart versus mistake of the mind is huge here. Whereas yeah. like, yes, police officers in Massachusetts and New Hampshire are not perfect. But there's not a lot of people that are mistake that are making the, a mistake of the mind where they are going out there and that I've seen they're going out there and they're intentionally trying to harm people. Uh, they're intentionally, you know, no, I, I've never been in a locker room where somebody says, well, if I see this person, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, injure them or anything like that. Yeah. Sometimes, like you said, things happen in split seconds. Yes. But um, I don't I, I think that we're in a good place here in, uh, in in this part of the country as far as officers making sound decisions and. And uh, and really think using having that good heart mentality that you're talking about. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, we and we know largely, you know, man, that's that's what we have in this profession. Mm -hmm. um, but we also know men and some people in this profession that got to go. Um, and so that's that's one of the things that we have to be, you know, as intentional about. Um, you know, is highlighting the individuals that do it the right way and and do it, you know, do things good 
and and also you know been trying to correct you know the behaviors that we want to see change and then when we see somebody that is just resistance to that change you know man we 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 have to we have to get them gone all right well let's hit the chat the chat's lighting up here so i don't know if this is a comment or so that's like a teacher going before someone from the dpd dpw for promotion i think community involvement is instrumental but not to determine someone's merits all right, so that was a comment there. Uh, go ahead, Chief. You want to you want to speak yeah, to that real, so, really so quick? One, one thing that I, I'll I'll um, expand upon on that is the the community part is just one part of a process, um, and so it's not like that's the only part of a promotional process. Is you know the community's part is you know most most promotional uh, assessments or the promotional process have different parts to it uh, sure. that you go through, and so that that's just one part. Uh, of it and so you know it's more to it um but but our community members do have you know they do have a part in the process and i think and, it's and, important and i'm going to double down on that and say you know as somebody i've, I've interviewed a bunch and I've, I've been on both sides of the table for interviews in police work and before i was a police officer and and that's and that's correct that that's a component just to make sure that because you you do kind of want the community to give you your blessing on a candidate to make sure they pass the sniff test so to speak before you put them on the street in charge of these people i i, I see that point of it um i would just i you know to 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 that comment this point i would just want to see the uh how much their opinions weighted would matter to me so i i have another question from there so how do officers feel about having the community be a part of the hiring and promotional process so what's your rank and file think about that chief a great question yeah that's that's a really good question um man that one would be hard for me to say um and so here here's the thing is and and i believe this was going on previously i know it was going on before i got here um but that's one of the things that we're required to do because of our consent decree um and can you just put a little meat on the bones what exactly is a consent decree and how does that work if you could just kind of sum that up for everybody that's that's watching that might not know what it is I, I, absolutely so um you know after uh the michael brown shooting uh, in 2014 the department of justice came into ferguson uh and they did an investigation um into the the police department and so as a result they released a report with all these findings of problems um within the police department within the city's court system um as such and so as a result of of their investigation and the findings from their investigation uh the city the city entered in entered into a consent decree with the department of justice and so pretty much kind of how it works is is the, uh, the department of justice may sue a city you know if they if they're not willing to enter into disagreement and this agreement just outlines all of the the mandates um and and stipulations that you have to get that the police department or the city has to come into compliance with um and so they they look at what the issues were which you know uh in the ferguson one you know it was largely associated around you know community police and community outreach community engagement um is is what a lot of with the problems and issues that they highlighted um in their report and so you know that was largely what is built into our consent decree is just making sure that the community is a part 
of what we have going on as an organization and, and as a police department. And so, you know, so the consent decree spells out, you know, that, you know, certain certain things that we have to do uh, or, you know, certain citizens or, or certain, you know, committees, you know, have to have people uh, have to have citizens involved in parts of our process. So our hiring process, um, our promotional process. Um, and so it's, it's one of the things that, you know, honestly, for us, it's mandated on us. All right. Um, so it's essentially a, a, an ultimatum, right? It's like do it, yeah. do it or else. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, we, we, we have to do this. But but I will I will take it a step further, though, is I like it. I, I like it. Um, and, and one of the things that we, you know, like I said, man, in law enforcement, man, we, we, we have to, we have to start changing, man. We have to start expanding how we look at these things and how we view these things. Mm -hmm. We have to stop looking at the community as us versus them. And so, you know, it's, it's like, you know, man, we want to be in this club. So like, all right, man, we want to hire somebody to be a police officer. And it's like, all right, man, well, you know, the community don't know anything about being a police officer. So what can they offer to that? you know, uh, you know, to that process. But you know what, man, the community knows everything about being a part of the community. And what in the world is the officer's job is to be out in that community, man, working with the people in that community. So, you know, it makes perfect sense for them to be a part of the process. Now, like I said, you know, it's not like, you know, they they are the sole process where you know all right if they they you know like now we don't like this person or this or that like we have to weigh it no differently than when they go through an interview panel you know with an officer and a sergeant or if they make it to my command staff interview panel you know man it's all graded the same and we have to weigh it and and look at it and and so all of that information comes to me for me to review and look through and just see what everybody is saying about this individual and so that just speaks to you know the process where all right man you have officers that are saying all right yes man we like this individual this is somebody that we we would like to work with we think they'll be a good addition to our team and you have community members in that same process saying we like this individual man we we a I want this individual coming to my house. If I have a problem at my house, I feel comfortable with this individual coming to my house to help me. Like how, you know, and so when we we look at things like, yeah, this is mandated on us. And so, of course, there's always resistance to anything that we're told to do. I think that's just a part of human nature. Oh, with a bunch of type A people? No way. I can't see that happening. But but once once you get once you get past that part of the process and you just really look at it and and see it for for what it is. All right, man, you see, man, it kind of makes sense. And 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 as you start looking around the country, you know, especially, you know, man, some some areas and some communities where, you know, there's there's been some bad things to happen or, or some polarizing things to happen. What do you see that's coming out of a lot of these spaces? You start seeing a community being added to the process at some at some at some level. Um, and so it's just, you know, for us, you know, that's that's what we have in place. And, and like I said, I, I think it, it goes over really well. So, I mean, definitely a, that's a comprehensive answer. Uh, the thing that you said the, the best that really resonated with me and got me excited early on was how you how you you take the time to educate the people that are part of this process. It's important that people that if you joined us late, again, I'm here with uh, Chief Jason Armstrong, Ferguson PD, and and you talked about educating the people that are going to be part of this process before they take part. Uh, that's that's huge to me. If as long as they have an understanding and a baseline, like in a Citizens Police Academy, we do one where I work. Uh, it's gotten phenomenal reviews. We have a lot of offices. We have a lot of different people that take part in it, and um, it's something that we take a great deal of pride in. So I, I certainly 
strongly recommend that you get that up and running. So, Absolutely. So the, like I said, the chat's lighting up here, so we'll see if we can address some of these other folks. All right. So this comment that says, Dan says, citizens police academies are typically for adults. What are you doing to get the youth involved to foster understanding and communication with the next generation? Great question. It sure is. So, so one of the things, um, man, we had set up was uh, we were we were having a youth summit um, back in April. Uh, and But that's when the pandemic really got going uh, and we had to cancel it. And so what we've done in the interim um, is one of the things, and, and like I said, I, I have to go back to the consent decree because I don't know if we would be doing this without it. But one of the things that we are mandated to do on some of our policies is we have to get input from the youth. And it is a requirement of ours. And so, so one of the things that we, we, we just did was, you know, so we're working with the local school district here and and so we got it we made up a questionnaire so the information that we need you know the use input on we made up a questionnaire and so um the school district they put it on um you know they're they're doing uh online classes uh and virtual and mm -hmm. so you know they have you know a virtual platform that the students are in and so they they put our survey and our questionnaire on the the high school students uh virtual platform um, and so the last number that I was updated on, I think we were up to over 120 students who had filled out the survey and this questionnaire to provide us feedback on this policy, you know, that we're working on that, you know, that has been identified that it would largely um, affect young people. And, and so once again, you know, it's something that, you know, we were required to do, but when you look at it and, and, and you see, you know, all right, man, the, the interest that these young that these young people took into you know all right man letting their voice be heard and okay all right man they they want my opinion on this this is this is how I feel about it and so we're, we'll get that information and and that will be a catalyst for for us to get with them to have you know continued dialogue and continued communication and so it but that that was something that I you know with us being in the 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 post covid or you know pandemic era where you know we we have to do all this stuff virtually that that gave us a great opportunity to be able to reach you know a lot of them you know with a little bit of effort to get some you know some some critical information and, and feedback from them and so you you just you just have to be intentional uh, about you know trying to find ways and avenues to to interact and, and engage the young people because that's that's really where it's at that's really where it's at. And we have we have the biggest opportunity to make that impact with young people. We just you know, we, we have to find ways to communicate with them uh, on their level uh, and in their space. I love the idea of, of getting them a questionnaire and having them fill out the questionnaire. And I mean, if for no other reason, like you said, you know, just just to get them thinking and just to get them thinking about, hey, like, you know, if, if X happens, why could be the result so let, let me try to be part of this this solution and who knows you know maybe that's a great way to get kids to start thinking about getting in this line of work because uh i mean that's another show all all to itself about how it doesn't seem oh, yeah. like you know a lot of young folks really want to do this job but i digress so let's move on from there we said we have a nice comment here it says dean we need more people with yours and the chief's perspective in the world thank you both for what you do I don't know the chief, but there is no one with a better, bigger heart than you, my friend. All right. If I had the ability to blush, I'd blush right now after reading that. <laughs> I appreciate the kind words. 
Uh, so from there, why don't we go into a video to show another version of a crisis of leadership? So I am going to go, I'm going to go and pull this up in the stream. Folks, check this out. You're not going to believe this one. David Brown spent about an hour today talking with reporters, answering questions, and basically offering everything he has on the ambush. He also made it clear he believes his officers went beyond bravery when the gunfire started and offered a unique challenge to those who protest his male and female officers. Fox 4's Sean Rath in downtown Dallas with more. Sean. Hey, Steve, now we've seen the chief in these kind of tense moments before, but today, Chief Brown pulled back the veil on his personal life, sharing the story of a man who, in his senior year on a full scholarship to UT Austin, left college to become a Dallas police officer. For 33 years, he's not been answering calls, but he's been answering a calling. I actually left college my uh, first semester of my senior year to come back and apply for the Dallas Police Department to do something about what I was seeing in my neighborhood. Because crack cocaine was destroying lives in Dallas. My friends who stayed here uh, became in, involved in that and it broke my heart and, and it changed what I wanted to do. David Brown's dream was to be a prosecutor, but the broken lives of friends hooked on drugs led Brown to a life of protecting and serving that I get so much satisfaction that I can do a small thing to help uh, this community. Uh, I, I just love Dallas and I love serving. It's, it's part of my character, it's part of who I am. I get all the, all the crap we gotta take as police officers. The, the satisfaction you get from serving, much more gratifying, much more gratifying. And it's like that for a lot of police officers in, in this country. Brown, who became chief in April 2010, has had personal challenges that have played out publicly. His son killed by police after killing a police officer in June of 2010, two months after he became chief. His efforts to reform policing has been met with resistance and attempts to push him out of office. He's led the department through a near riot following an officer-involved shooting and last summer's attack on Dallas Police Headquarters by James Bulware. That was called the worst day in the history of Dallas police until last Thursday. Brown says the city he loves, loves back. They took an inner city kid like me with flaws and made it, made me their police chief. That's an extraordinary city and have supported me through very difficult challenges. Um, you don't see that everywhere. You know, one of the first people to get fired when we had controversy, the police chief, get thrown under the bus. It's one of the most difficult jobs in, in the country right now, being a police chief in a major city. And I've seen my friends just thrown under the bus, man, when something goes bad. I, I haven't, this mayor, this council, this city manager, the previous city manager, Mary Soon, hello, Mary, she hired me. Are, are, they're different people, they're special. And to those protesting for change, Brown says there's another way. We're hiring. Uh, get off that protest line and, and, and put an application in. And we'll put you in your neighborhood and we will help you resolve some of the problems you're protesting about. 
you know, understanding and learning about his motives for becoming a police officer helps us. All right. That is an incredible set of circumstances. You want to talk about ebbs and flows. I mean, we're talking about a gentleman that gave up a football career to come back and a law career to come back and be a police officer, rises through the ranks. Then he has a son that shoots and kills a police officer only to have that son shot and killed by a police officer all while he's the chief. Yeah. If that's not the very definition of a crisis of leadership, I don't know what is. Chief, you want to speak to that a little bit? Man, and it's hard for me to speak to that because I, I can't imagine, you know, how difficult of a situation that was for him to 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 live through and, and to experience. Um, but man, what I will say about it though is one of the things that I try to convey to people when I speak to them and when I speak to them about this profession, you know, I, I perfectly understand the higher standard that we're supposed to hold ourselves to, you know, as taking the oath to be law enforcement professionals. But one thing that I always try to get across to people is life comes for all of us. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter that you are a police officer, man. Life comes for all of us. And we all have challenges, you know, in, in life. And so just because, you know, we wear a uniform, it doesn't absolve us of that. And 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 Chief Brown, you know, and, and what he shared in that interview is the embodiment of that. Like, I mean, I don't know how much more critical it could get for somebody having to live through all of that in, the, in that short period of, of time. And he had just become chief two months into, you know, being the chief and, and he's having to deal with that. And so, you know, for, for those of us inside the organization and, and hopefully, you know, man, as leaders, you know, we build up, you know, good, good relationships, uh, working relationships with our employees, you know, so we can, you know, we can know the things that they're going through or they feel comfortable explaining and expressing the things that they're going through, you know, so we can, we can use that and, and try to give them whatever assistance or whatever help that they need to deal with, with things just like anybody else needs. Because like I said, man, life life comes for all of us. Um, and, and and that's why it's so critical just to be kind to people, period. No matter who we're talking about or who you're dealing with, man, you never know what somebody is going through. You never know what somebody is going through. Perfect example, um, uh, Chadwick Bozeman, who, who recently passed away. And, and pictures, pictures started circulating of him, you know, online. Uh, and social media because he had lost weight. And so you see people just just dogging him out on social media, you know, about him losing weight. And it, it's all funny because, you know, nobody knows anything about it. But then the man dies unexpectedly. And now the world finds out that we have cancer. And now it's like, all right, you know, man, you, you don't know what anybody is dealing with. And that's why, you know, it, it, the, the automatic default for every all of us, for all human beings should just be to be kind to one another uh and 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 just you know man try to be something that is positive for somebody and, and, and not negative um and and man we we just have to pray for one another man you know i was at a prayer breakfast this morning and and you know i can't be thankful enough for all the people that i know that are out there that are praying for me um because man it's a difficult job to do um and and then when you just add on just all the layers and, and the levels of challenges that come with it man we we need support systems uh, that's the only way that's the only way you survive in this.
well put. You know, I, I, I can't stress it enough. And, and to, to piggyback on your point about treating people with kindness and, and going down the lines of do on to others as we want done to ourselves. I said in, um, in a previous show that if we just followed the basic rules that our kindergarten garden teachers set forth for us when we were five, six years old, we'd be in a much better place. Absolutely. You know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Be kind. Be thoughtful. Share when you have when you have the ability to share. Share, yeah. you know, just little things like that would uh, would make things um, so much easier. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. It's it's layered and it's complex. That it's is like it. That. So let's go back to the chat. So the next one is: How do you, as a leader, work on the morale for the officers during these times? That's that's a good one. Um, and first, first, I, I'll say this and I'll put myself on front street is I have to do a better job. Um, I, I have to do a better job in, in that arena. Um, and at the end of the day, man, people want to feel valued and appreciated um, for what they do. Um, Definitely. And, and, and we, we have to find ways um, to, to do that. Um, and so I can, I can give you a perfect example of, you know, just something that I did today, whereas I had to ask for help. I had to ask for help. Um, you know, recently I, a citizen uh, mailed me a letter, wrote a letter and sent it to me at the police department, uh, just really praising one of my officers and, and you know, just just really appreciative for what that officer had done for trying to help them and assist them uh, on a call for service. And so, you know, man, I got this letter and I'm just like, all right, man, this is, you know, this is awesome. Like as as a leader, as a police chief, like it doesn't get any better than that right there. For somebody to be so appreciative of of the service that they got, you know, from one of your officers that they take the time to write a letter and mail it to you. And so I'm like, all right, man, what you know, I, I, I have to take advantage of this opportunity to share my appreciation, you know, for this this officer. Uh, and so, you know, man, I put a little certificate together and, you know, I went to roll call to present it to him. And so, you know, and, and and so, you know, he was very appreciative, you know, for, for me doing that. But I also recognize that, all right, man, I know I have other officers that are doing just as great of things that, man, I may not, you know, that the person may not write me a letter about. But, you know, I need to be able to show them the appreciation, you know, that they that they deserve, you know, in that same space. And so, you know, when and I, I had a command staff meeting today. And so I sent all my my sergeants who they're the ones that have the most knowledge about what's going on day in and day out. I sent all my sergeants, you know, a template of the certificate that I, I created for the one officer. And it's like, guys, I need your help. OK, if you find out about something that, you know, needs to be uh, highlighted and stuff. All right, man, you fill out this certificate and just send it to me so I can print it out and sign it and I can come to roll call and I can present it to the officer. And oh, I and, love how you empowered your supervisors to do that. That's fantastic. And, and so but but that's, that's that's it's like, man, I recognize that I need help in this space, man, because I'm, I'm not doing a good enough job at it. And and so when, when you talk about building up the morale and stuff I, for a leader, man, I think one of the important parts is I mean, we got to look in and see where we're falling short and where we're where we could do a, a better job uh, of, of sharing, you know, of, of sharing their appreciation and showing, you know, the, the gratitude, you know, for the job that we're doing, because in, in my almost 20 years in this profession, this is absolutely the toughest time that I have experienced, you know, being in this profession. Um, and and it, it's it's critical. It's critical. 
you know, that we 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 go that extra step or we go that extra mile to, to try to show it. Um, and like I said, I'd be the first person to admit that I, I need to do a better job in that. And so it's something that I'm working on. Well, it sounds to me like you're, you're well on your way. Um, I've, I've won. I, I've I've been a lot of different spaces and um, and that and, and that that creating a certificate and sending it to your supervisors um, raises could raise morale on a lot of different levels. You're empowering your supervisors, which would obviously supervisors need to feel valued as well. Oh, not absolutely. Just the, the patrol people. So you, so what you're doing is is uh, is a police version of a trickle down of trickle down. You know what I mean? You're showing appreciation to your supervisor. You're empowering them to to bring this to your attention, which in turn will make them. I I would think I know if I was in that circumstance, it would make me be like, "Wow, I want to, I want to, I really want to run with this," and that'll make me want to identify officers that deserve that certificate. So I just think that that's a, that's a great example of, of thinking outside the box. And, and 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 here's where the communication piece comes in is because while we were talking about it, then somebody posed the question. It was like, all right, well, is this just for officers? You know, what about my dispatchers and my, um, you know, my my citizen staff? And I was like, nah, this is this is for everybody. And and so you know, man, it, I like it. Everybody needs to be. Uh oh. All right, the chief froze up there. We'll get him back momentarily uh, again if you're listening live this is difficult conversations we have chief jason armstrong Uh-oh. from ferguson pd all right let me go ahead and bring him back in you can also check us out on spotify amazon and Hi. uh you're back spotify amazon and apple podcast as well so chief so i'm going to move on to another question okay so we have I think you expect, expected one of these. So after the Michael Brown incident, how was the morale of the rest of the police officers you were able to retain on the force after you had to dismiss some officers, basically what that says there. So uh, just to provide a little context, the chief was not there during this, um, but I'll let you speak to that chief. Yeah, correct. And so, uh, yeah, I was not here uh, and I, I wasn't the chief when the, the Michael Brown uh, incident happened. So um, I just came here in July of 2019. So pretty much I got here five years um, after the fact. Um, but, you know, I believe the question was asking, you know, how difficult was it to retain officers? Mm-hmm. Um Yep. And and so there's been a drastic turnover from the officers that were here uh, in 2014 when that happened uh, compared to now. And so there were I believe there were about 53 officers um, in the department uh, when when the, the shooting happened. And of those 53, I believe I only have maybe eight or nine uh, that are still there uh, that Whoa. were here back when that happened. I When you said drastic, I was expecting like. You're like you lost like ten or twelve, <laughs> like that. Like that's usually drastic, you know, in a five year turnaround. But I mean, my goodness, to lose. So we're talking. So you think you have nine left? So 40 yeah, it's, plus? It's, right, it's right around. It's right around eight or nine, maybe maybe ten um, left that that was here back from back then. So I guess on the good side, you're you. It's like picking your own team. You have the team you want. Like if you were the GM of a sports team, you'd be like, all right, this is my team. But the downside is there must have been some pretty serious growing pains there while you were recruiting your new team. No, what I mean, we're, we're still going through growing pains. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, man, we're still you know, we still have uh, a lot of openings that that we're trying to fill. And so 
one of the things that you have from that is is largely you know what we bring in uh, our younger officers you know that are just getting started in their careers and so you know you always have growing pains you know when you have young officers uh, that are coming on board that that haven't done this job before and so 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 yeah you know man we we have a, a lot of growing pains and and we have a lot of you know unique challenges you know that that are, are on our shoulders of different things that we have to get done and that we have to do that, you know, the, the regular average police department doesn't have to deal with. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot that's on our plate uh, that we have to manage, you know, all at the same time. And so when you have something like that, um, you know, there, there are a lot of growing pains in it, but, you know, but the way I look at it is, man, we, we have a lot of opportunity uh, for growth. And, and we have a lot of opportunity to be a model and be an example of, of what, you know, what this can look like. Um, and, and so, you know, that's the part of it uh, that really resonates with me. And, and that's the part, you know, that I, I try to focus the most on, because if I focus about all the challenges and everything that's on our plate, man, it'll, you know, it'll keep you down all the time. Well, so, Chief, you know, well, man, I was going to say, Chief, there's a perfect segment for this next group of questions, because we're, we're actually, we're flying through this. We're almost 50 minutes in, if you can believe it. Gotcha. So the next one is, has this affected your recruitment and are you getting more or less applicants? I, has what affected my recruitment? So just everything you've been going through. So going from, you know, the, the wake of the, of the Michael Brown incident to, you know, Man, what's well, going on with the community. I, I, with COVID. I, 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 I would say this is just what we're seeing in the country period. Everybody's recruitment is affected by this, you know, you know, nationally, we're seeing a, a, a decrease and a decline uh, and, and people signing up or, you know, filling in applications to, to join law enforcement. You know, we're seeing record numbers of officers retiring uh, and resigning and leaving the profession right now. And so 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 nationally, you know, we're we're in a difficult time. Now, one thing that I, I can say is for us here. All right. I get a lot of applications. I get a lot of applications. And so, you know, there there are a lot of people, you know, that are willing to come to come work here. You know, honestly, you know, one of the, the biggest things is, you know, man, we have to do a very. All right, am I still there? You still got me? I still got you. OK. All right. Uh, you know, man, we you know, we have a very intensive um, review process and, and background investigation that we have to do, you know, on on people on that, you know, what to come on and, and be officers with us. Um, and so, you know, everybody doesn't make it through the, the background portion or the background check sure. that, that we do. Um, and so, you know, so that's that's probably the the number one thing, you know, for us that um, is, is the challenge with bringing on new people um, is just finding the quality of applicant and the quality of, of person that we want to bring on. Um, but we we get a lot of yeah we we still have a lot of people applying, um, you know in in the area that we're in you know not a lot of agencies hire uh, officers and send them to the academy, and so you know we're one of the few agencies you know that man we have um, a program in place for us to so to do. Are that. you saying that that they want you to already have the academy, or they're sending cops out there with no academy? You know, no, it's largely, you know, everybody has to be certified and have to have gone to the academy. But, okay. you know, so a lot of agencies sure. just look to hire individuals that are already certified and already sworn. Um, and, and so, you know, not a lot of agencies are, are hiring people and then sending them to start the academy uh, from scratch. And so, you know, so we, we participate in that. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're, you know, we're recruiting for right now. Um, and so if anybody's watching this in the St. Louis area, you want to move to St. Louis, you know, 
man, I'm taking applications uh, if you want to get into this this line of work. Um, but yeah, so you know, we're 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 hiring right now for cadets uh, to go in, into the academy, and so you know, it, it's just you know, you, you can't hire people fast enough, you know, the hiring process, because, because ours is so labor intensive and we have so many parts to it, you know, it, it takes a while to get people through it. And so that's, that's the, the real challenge and the real struggle uh, when it comes to recruitment. Um, but we've, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough that, that people still recognize and, and view uh, our department uh, as a place, you know, that they, that they want to come work at. That sounds good. Folks, if you're listening, Ferguson PD, they're hiring. All right, so we're hiring. Give give my man Jason Armstrong, uh, uh, Chief Jason Armstrong, a, a shout if you're uh, if you're looking to get on the job. So, Chief, uh, we're down under. We got about eight minutes left. I just want to play a quick video, and then I'll come back to you for a quick comment on it. And okay. then maybe we can have you back at some other time, and we can talk about any number of things in police work. So let me go ahead and get Absolutely. this queued up. Well, I heard a lot of things. Um, certainly there are some folks in this community that are legitimately grieving and we heard from them. We heard a lot of folks who believe the First Amendment only applies to them and took great pains to shout down anybody that disagreed with them. Uh, despite my ongoing disagreements with the police union, I have to say that their members tonight conducted themselves, I thought, with great restraint given the ad hominem invective that was being, invective that was being unleashed on uh, their work personally and the police department generally. So, you know, this is a controversy. This is a tragedy. I've said it over and over again. It's a tragedy for the family, tragedy for Officer Manny. It's a tragedy for the community. But I'm not blind to the fact that there's a lot of people t lining up to take advantage of this uh, tragedy to flog their own uh, agendas, and that was clear tonight as well. The, uh, you're accused of saying something to one of the protesters or one of the people in the, in the stands. He accused you of... I, you know, he was making so much noise, I have no idea what he's talking about. But uh, he feels insulted. Uh, too bad. What's your response to some of the people that thought you were being disrespectful by being on your phone and not being attentive to them? Well, I was on my phone, and yes, that's true. I was following developments with a five-year-old little girl sitting on her dad's lap who just got shot in the head by a drive-by shooting. And if some of the people here gave a good goddamn about the victimization of people in this community by crime, I take some of their invective more seriously. The greatest racial disparity in the city of Milwaukee is getting shot and killed. Hello. 80% of my homicide victims every year are African American. 80% of our aggravated assault victims are African American. 80% of our shooting victims who survived their shooting are African American. Now they know all about the last three people that have been killed by the Milwaukee Police Department over the course of the last several years. There's not one of them can name last, one of the last three homicide victims we've had in this city. Now there's room for everybody to participate in fixing this police department, and I'm not pretending we're without sin. But this community's at risk, all right. And it's not because men and women in blue risk their lives protecting it. It's at risk because we have large numbers of high-capacity, quality firearms in the hands of remorseless criminals who don't care who they shoot. Now I'm leaving here to go to that scene. And I take it personally, okay? We're going up there and there's a bunch of cops processing a scene of a dead kid. And they're the ones that are going to be out there patrolling and stopping sus suspects that may have guns under the front seat. They're the ones that are going to take the risks of their lives to try to clean this thing up. All right? We're responsible for the things we get wrong and we take action. We've arrested cops, we've fired cops, and so on. But 
The fact is that the people out here, some of them, who had the most to say are absolutely MIA when it comes to the true threats facing this community, and it gets a little tiresome, and we start getting yelled at for reading the updates of the kid that gets shot, yeah, you take it personal, okay? Now, no offense, but I'm going up there now. I don't know what to say. I mean, that video is a powerful video. And again, it's another great example about the, of the crisis of leadership that you see. Uh, the higher up the chain you go, the more you see that you're getting pushed and pulled in two different directions. So, Chief, we're under five minutes left. Can you can you just give me a quick comment on that? I know it's not fair to just wrap to have you only in about ninety seconds, but can you get in there about that? I mean, the my big takeaway from that is is like I said, man, life life comes for all of us, and and man, sometimes I think people forget, you know, the the difficulties of what we deal with and the emotional toll that that it, it takes on us. Um, and, and clearly, you know, man, he, he got to speaking about, you know, a, a child being killed. Um, and I, that's an emotional thing, man, to, to have to talk about, or have to deal with. And, and that's, you know, that just goes to the gravity of, of, of what we see and what we deal with. And I just had a, a situation last week or the week before last, where we had a two-year-old that was shot here in, in Ferguson, oh. um, in a, in a apparent road rage, you know, in, incident. And, and so, you know, where for some, you know, for some people in the public, you know, that may be, you know, it seems far fetched. But unfortunately for us, like those are the kind of things that we see and that and that we deal with. And and so worst you know, part of the job, nothing yeah, worse than dead kids. Un, unfortunately, it's, it's a part of the job. And 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 so that that's why, you know, that's why I keep going back to the point about just being kind to people. Um, because none of us are absolved from, and you saw that—that that was the chief of police that was doing that that interview. Uh, and clearly, he got pretty you know, emotional too. You could see he was, exactly, man. Clearly, he was dealing with you know a, a difficult, you know, a difficult time and a difficult situation uh, up there. And and you know, it's it's the natural thing for if you are really you know genuinely and intentional about man your care for your community and and what you're trying to do for it. Like, all right, man, I, I expect the individual to get emotional when talking about some of the stuff because that's the gravity of, of what we're dealing with. Um, and, and you know, man, one of the things that, you know, as I've gotten older and as I've matured just as a man is, man, I've changed my mindset of, of what it means to see a man cry. You know, before when I was younger, man, you know, I thought that that was a sign of weakness and and all the things that you know, you know, your friends would would jab on you about. But man, as I've gotten older and as I've experienced life, because life has come for me also, all right, man, I recognize, man, there is absolutely nothing wrong, you know, with a man crying. I will cry in front of my wife. I will cry in front of my kids if that is how if that's how I'm feeling, you know, about the situation. Uh, and that's just that just speaks to the gravity of 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 what it is and what it's like man to to be in some of the situations that we're in and to deal with some of the things you know that that we deal with um is you know it's it, it everybody handles it differently um like i said me i'm thankful i'm blessed that i have the support system you know and my wife and my kids and my family that i have um to help me deal with those tough times um because all right it may have been some situations where i wasn't crying in front of the camera and and in the media but man, I might have been crying when I got home and I was talking to my family about it. So, you know, uh, it's it's just one of those things, man. It's it's a part of what we have to deal with. Um, Chief, we're we try to handle it the best way we can, man. 
again, I apologize. It was unfair for me to show something like that as powerful as that as, as late as I did, because we could talk for another hour just about that. We're down Wait. under a minute. Any shout outs, any special pro projects, anything that you want to draw attention to in, in about 15 seconds or less? Man, the number one thing is we're hiring. So <laughs> if, if anybody is, is willing to step up to the challenge um, and, and is really intentional about doing good things and, and being that change agent that, you know, a lot of people in this country want to see. Um, absolutely check out, you know, the city of Ferguson's uh, web page um, and, and any job postings that we have on there. Outside of that, um, you know, I, I just can't stress enough, man, just for everybody to be kind to one another. Um, you know, if we have more of that uh, in the community. Uh, in this nation, you know, man, we'd be a we'd be a better place for it. You know, the election, the election was was something that was very polarizing and and, you know, divided uh, a lot of people. Um, and so, man, my hope is just as we as we as we get past it and we move on from it, you know, man, we can we can find better ways to to work together and, and unite. Um, and because we, we have a lot of work to do uh, and it, it doesn't rest on one person. Uh, the president cannot fix all the problems in this country never has and, and never will be able to. Um, and so it, it's going to take all of us to, to put forth the effort to, to try to make this a better place. Well put, Chief. Well, just like that, an hour has come and gone. Chief Armstrong, I can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing for the city of Ferguson, for taking your time away from your family. And I know that you, the mountain of work you have to get done to build that department up to where I know that, it, that it's going to be. I, I want to take this time to thank you again personally for what you've done for me. You've empowered me. You've made me feel you've made me feel unbelievable about my my sense of worth and my and my and my own personal value. And and I just want you to know that talk that we had has helped motivate me to do what I'm doing here with Supply the Why. So the success that this is having and the way this is taking off, I just want you to know it's important you know that you share a piece of that success. So thank you for that. Hey, not a problem. I appreciate it, man. I'm just trying to do, man, what I was I was hoping and wishing that people would do for me, man, when I was trying to come up, man. So, you know, I always promised myself, man, when I did get get to this level that I would do everything on my power, man, to help people, man, who had that same, you know, those same aspirations and that same vision, man. So I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing, man. Can we get you back sometime in the future, maybe? Absolutely, man. I'd be offended. I'd, hey, I'd be offended if I didn't come back, man. <laughs> Well, thanks again. If I don't talk to you before then, have a happy Thanksgiving. And folks, again, this has been Difficult Conversations. Check us out on Apple, Amazon, and Spotify podcast. You can, If you like this conversation, our Facebook page, share, like, and subscribe. Also, our YouTube page. Subscribe to our YouTube page and get the word out there to the folks that might not be on uh, social media. So again, signing off for Difficult Conversations. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks again for tuning in.